Good evening and welcome to the Vermeng podcast with me, your host, David Kennedy and Axel. This is the show where we discuss the week's biggest geopolitical stories. This week, we have the US's targeting of the Qatar-Ib Hezbollah militants in Syria, the increasing political tensions in Armenia and the deployment of COVAX uh, vaccines in Ghana. I'll hand over to you, Axel. Thank you, David. A few days ago, the Pentagon targeted multiple facilities belonging to Iran-backed militias in eastern Syria, at the border with Iraq. In particular, the main group targeted was the so-called Qatar Hezbollah, which shouldn't be confused with uh, the Lebanese Hezbollah, uh, also operative in um, Syria. The airstrikes carried out by the US military come uh, as a reprisal for the recent rocket attacks on Erbil International Airport and uh, US contractors and military officials in Baghdad by pro-Iran militias operating in Iraq. It's important to note that Qatar Hezbollah is one of the biggest militias alongside Azab Halak, belonging to the umbrella group known as Hashtag Shabi popular mobilization units. The Hashtag Shabi have been created in response to the ISIS insurgency in the mid-2010s, 2014 to be precise. Qatar Hezbollah has become operative in Syria in support of the Assad regime, which also condemned the airstrikes uh, on the militians. And this attack implies a strong and the first response by the U.S. by administration on a pro-Iran target in a moment which is becoming uh, difficult from a diplomatic point of view for the negotiations on the Iranian nuclear deal. Thanks, Axel. So, yeah, my, my first question in relation to this is how significant do you think it was that it took place in Syria? Obviously, the, the Hezbollah, the militants that were targeted, were backed in Iran, but I think that the Syrian government has reacted quite negatively to this. Definitely. It's uh, fundamental to note that this retaliation took place in Syria and not in Iraq. First of all, because this could signify an upcoming escalation of violence in uh, the Syrian civil war, which has been frozen for uh, uh, a few years in the, in the last period. Given the new administration backing for uh, uh, Sunni militias and uh, the, Kurds, the Kurds in particular in uh, northeastern Syria, this could leave the country in uh, complicated con uh, conditions in the terrain and uh, could foster uh, arm escalations in the next months, especially with the arrival of the summer. However, I would like to stress attention uh, on the Iraqi political scenario. This is because the current Prime Minister Academy discussed recently the rocket attacks on Erbil, in which one US citizen died with uh, President Biden, condemning the strength and the influence uh, held by um, pro-Iran militias uh, in the country. As we know, Academy is trying to balance uh, Western interests with uh, Iranian ones, uh, and Iraq has often been seen uh, as 
part of the sheet uh, um, arch of influence. In that regard, the ongoing struggle between uh, the pro-run militias is demonstrative of the fact that uh, the Biden administration is conscious about dynamics taking place uh, domestically within the Iraqi context. Uh, they don't want to interfere in that. It was a specific message uh, against those deemed responsible for the attack. And uh, Biden clearly doesn't want to further escalate and complicate uh, conditions in Iraq, also knowing that its military engagement uh, of the US military uh, would be hampered by potential and uh, protracted reprisals by pro-Iran militias as well. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And also just because we know this is um, one of Biden's uh, foreign policy objectives is to rejoin the Iran nuclear deal. Given this uh, this strike took place against an Iran-backed militia, it, it, it's clear the White House was trying to send a message that, you know, Iran should be careful. It can't act without impunity. But do you think it at all complicates the US's renegotiation uh, to rejoin the, the Iran nuclear deal? Iranian Foreign Minister Zarif condemned the attacks on uh, uh, pro-Iran militias in Syria. However, Iranian authorities know they didn't need to uh, hold accountable also uh, militias who may be attacking uh, foreign uh, targets uh, in uh, an excessive manner. This is because Iran is playing a, a complicated diplomatic role, also considering uh, the rapprochement uh, among Arab countries, the strengthening of Israeli rule in the region and Turkish one uh, as well. In that regard, Iran knows that in Syria, a key ally for their influence over the Mediterranean, geopolitically speaking, they should maintain a, a certain level of uh, influence through the proxies. And that's why targeted attacks are likely to continue, as we could see also in Yemen. But large-scale operations uh, are something that it's going to be ruled out by Iranian military policymakers. Now, uh, moving on to our second topic of discussion, we have the uh, increasing political tensions in Armenia. Thank you, David. A few days ago, during uh, last week, uh, Armenian Prime Minister Pashinyan called on uh, President Sarkisian to sack the uh, military commander-in-chief Gasparian. Political crisis is unfolding in Armenia to do Pashinyan's management of uh, the recent second Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Going uh, a little bit backward in historically speaking, Nagorno-Karabakh is a contested region between Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan, strategic uh, uh, pivot of the Caucasus. Pashinyan came to power uh, with the so-called revolution, a uh, pro-democratic one in uh, 2018, and uh, claimed to bring uh, Western-like uh, democracy and rule of law principles in the Armenian political scenario, deeply influenced by Russia. However, 
the management and the staunch military approach which led to the defeat in the Karabakh conflict uh, and to the humiliating ceasefire of November the 9th of 2020 led the military establishment to counter Pashinyan. So that a few days ago, after some remarks over Russian military equipment, uh, the military officials uh, uh, criticized Pashinyan, who in response sacked the commander-in-chief. This triggered a political crisis, which led to protests and counter-protests pro and against uh, the prime minister. Truth demonstrating and displaying the difficult situation the Armenia is experiencing uh, at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, and it, and it is interesting. Uh, you mentioned the conflict. Obviously, uh, Armenia lost um, the Karabakh conflict to Azerbaijan, and as a result, in that disputed region, they've lost territory. Uh, so there's lots of pressure now on the prime minister to resign. Do you think it? He will resign. That's to see, because Pashinyan has a strong personality. However, he's facing uh, one of the biggest challenges that Armenia has ever experienced since its foundations. Um, I do believe that we'll uh, seek ground for uh, negotiations with the president who rejected the, the sacking of the commander-in-chief. But at the same time, uh, uh, a key stakeholder is Moscow. As we know, uh, Armenia is belonging to the collective security treaty organization uh, to the Eurasian Economic Union, but at the same time is seeking uh, economic ties and partnerships with the European Union. Today, for example, uh, thanks to Pashinyan's foreign policy, uh, the EU uh, and Armenia started officially the comprehensive and enhanced partnership agreement. So it knows that his positionment within the government scenario is decisive uh, also in shaping the future Armenian foreign policy. And there, in that regard, it would take a few days for him uh, to actually know uh, how to act uh, accordingly. Even though I believe that the pressure of the military and also of uh, uh, his growing unpopularity will drive him to resign and uh, for to call for snap elections as well. Yes. and. It was going to be very fascinating to see how things end up playing out. So moving on to Africa now, we've got the COVAX vaccines in Ghana. Thank you, David. At the end of February, uh, COVAX uh, finally uh, reached a milestone. The COVAX facility announced uh, 600,000 COVID-19 vaccine doses of the AstraZeneca uh, brand from coming from India and delivered to Accra, the capital of Ghana. Ghana is the first world country to receive the COVAX facility COVID-19 vaccines. And uh, it's an historic moment uh, for uh, the global fight against the coronavirus pandemic which started at the beginning of uh, uh, 2020, late 2019. As we know, COVAX facility is a funding mechanism uh, co-led by the WHO World Health Organization, uh, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, Gavi, and uh, private stakeholders 
aiming uh, to funnel and distribute vaccines to medium and low income countries around the world. It's symbolic, but at the same time demonstrates uh, what logistical challenges uh, governments and uh, policymakers will face in the deployment of vaccines all over the world. This will be definitely one of the biggest supply chain operations in terms of delivery and procurement of vaccines, especially considering the times. Yes, I agree. And um, we have seen that the Ghanaian president, uh, Nana Akufo-Addo, was the first uh, in his country to receive uh, the COVID vaccine. And he has urged um, his, the public to get the vaccine, but also not to believe some of the kind of conspiracy theories that are floating around the country. Uh, from your perspective, um, do you think the president taking the vaccine publicly will actually help encourage uh, a somewhat sceptical public? Yes, definitely, especially in uh, continents such as Africa or uh, areas such as Southeast Asia or Latin America. Um, but also for uh, the West and uh, East Asia as well. As we know, one of the biggest risks and threats uh, which uh, start during the pandemic is the so-called infodemic, so the lack of trust in government organizations and uh, uh, bodies uh, responsible for deployment and vaccination and uh, health solution for uh, the broader population. And uh, a president uh, who carries out uh, the first actual vaccination of a global effort, of financing efforts and policy efforts as well, uh, is a significant, while also symbolic event for uh, uh, the war, but especially for Africa, which uh, will face uh, a critical challenge for its future uh, in uh, the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. So I do believe that this was uh, a great public image step, but at the same time, it was a significant uh, event uh, uh, that African populations will remember for the years to come. Yeah, pretty pretty historic scenes uh, coming from Ghana. But that's all we have time for this week. Uh, thanks again, Axel, for joining me, David Kennedy, on the Vermeng podcast. Join us again next week to discuss the big geopolitical issues because information matters. Mm -hmm.